Okay, welcome back to episode four of Clinch Perfect. I'm here with Tom. We don't have Ricky with us again this week. Uh, the timings of him being in the States and working and him us being in the UK is kind of messing us up a bit, but we'll just have to go on without him. Um, before we start, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Clinch Perfect and at the Runner Up HQ. And Tom, how excited are you for the uh, fight to be back this weekend after a week off? All aboard the hype train. I oh, mate, I'm so gassed. I can't wait. Like it's actually considering it's at first glance, I thought it was kind of a shit card. I'm surprised that like. How did you think that? It's an unreal card. No, I know, I know. I just I was looking at like the lineup and and was it Kiasen who was on the the main event or who was on the main card? And I was just looking through that, thinking, oh, this is kind of toilet, but. Molly McCann's back. That's all I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> right, before we uh, before we go too far into the, the UFC um, news, though, we have to talk about something you did this week, which was speaking to the main event tonight in uh, Bare Knuckle FC, which is back. Uh, we've got, um, well, Chris Laban's fighting, which is funny. Um, big fan. I don't know if people know this, but on the Ultimate Fighter, he pissed in his opponent's bed uh and then knocked him out in like 60 seconds and then said sorry for pissing on your bed bro which is one of my all-time favorite moments um, shit but uh yeah obviously the main event what everyone's going to be tuning in for is Paige Van Zandt um you spoke to her this week uh how uh, how on the hype train are you now oh mate I'm full of board I'm 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 balls deep in the the um <laughs> Paige Van Zandt bandwagon just because I think like she gets so much stick right for for various reasons let's say and when I was speaking to her, it, it, it kind of, I was a bit, not, not, not starstruck, because I don't get starstruck when I'm talking to fighters, but I was a bit overawed because obviously she's got massive numbers, but she's a really down-to-earth, humble individual. And you don't kind of get that impression when you see her on the big stage, you see her um, like talking to David Feltman and all those, all those kinds of people. Like she was really grounded. And like that kind of, I must admit, like I'll put my hands up. I was a skeptic. When I saw that she'd gone to PKFC, I was a bit like, why didn't you just go to Bellator? Like, they'd give you some padded opponents and you'd probably get a title fight in like the next year just because of how shallow the divisions are. I'm still a skeptic. But... I, I didn't speak to her this week. <laughs> so I'm tuning in tonight wondering if she's going to get a face bashed in, but we'll see. Well, that was, a, that, was, that was the thing as well. Like I really admired how brave, like it's really ballsy, right? Like, yeah, it's very is No joke. You only have to look at um, the Lobov and Jason Knight fight. Like yeah, that horrendous the, the images everyone always goes yeah. back to. Yeah. yeah, but like the fact that she's prepared to do it I mean, yeah, it's for money. Like she's making more, like a million paycheck, and and I'm sure the sponsorship opportunities just attached to BKFC. I think I saw. I can't remember the exact number, so I'm just gonna pull it out my ass. But I think she she said she's making like ten times more than yeah, what she's I made mean, in the UFC or something insane like that. And she was a main event in the UFC. Yeah, she made, well, she headlined two fight night cards in the UFC. Yeah. Like they clearly backed her to the hilt and all that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, I just I just can't believe that. I can't quite believe it's the thing, but at the same time, I'm really excited and intrigued. And I think that's basically the hook for me. Like, if she pulls it off, I think she's kind of reinvented herself. Like, she's gone from this um, Dancing the Stars influencer kind of fighter to showing her roots. Like, the Paige Van Zandt of old, she kind of, when the celebrity and popularity caught up with her, she kind of got, well, her fight inside kind of got forgotten about. It was all about her looks and her glamour, but at the end of the day, she trains at ATT. Her husband, Austin, is a sick fighter. Like, he's really talented. And the coaches seem really high on her. Like, that was something I was picking up as well. She was talking about ATT and talking about, like, training at training with, like, Amanda Nunes and training alongside Jorge Masvidal and people like that. And it was kind of like... So she's prepared to fully uproot her lifestyle and her, her family home and all that kind of stuff and move to Florida and, and train at the biggest gym in the world. 
to prepare herself for that fight. If anything, that just just shows to me that she's really going like all in on this. Like this is this is this isn't a half-assed like. All right, I'm gonna take a quick crash gab and and go on to Bellator or somewhere else like that. Because again, that's the beauty of BKFC. She's got an open contract, so she can fight another MMA fight. She could go fight. A, I mean, I pitched to her that maybe she'd fight an influencer, sort of like a Jake Paul, Ben Askren thing. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. I'm sure she could fight but, Jake Paul. Yeah, but I mean, exactly. <laughs> Ironically, she was like, oh, my, I wish my husband would train him. But like, I mean, again, that's just crazy. The crossover. Um, I mean, the numbers that would do. Imagine if she fought like a, a Tana Monju or, or something like that. Like, I mean, not that it would happen, but like the scale of that event, the numbers would be mind blowing. Um, and she kind of the numbers, that the numbers tonight will be pretty good as well. I mean, yeah, I, not, did you not see, meaning did you to see... disrespect her as a mixed martial artist, but I'm much more interested in tuning in tonight than I was for any of her UFC fights. To be did you see honest. her um, the confrontation? Like the little the face off. Like, the, yeah, there's, yeah, there's genuine. I'm telling you, there's genuinely some needle. Like I was surprised. I, I was like, oh, I was a stage, and then the more she was telling me about it, the more I was like, oh, okay, like there's clearly a bit. Everyone of Everyone loves to do that on Twitter as well, though. They see they see yeah. the conflict of the face off, and they go, oh, it's fake. It's yeah. fake. It was like, well, they clearly they're not going to like each other. They're about to get in the cage and beat the shit out of each other, <laughs> especially in bare knuckle. Like they're not going to be friends particularly. And you got to admire the balls on it because again, it's no joke. Like, yeah, she'll probably have to have Botox after this. Right. <laughs> well, not, not even like I, I don't mean that in a controversial sense, but yeah, again, protecting image, all that kind of stuff. But she's freely admitted that like battle scars don't change her like her, her status or her, her position as an influencer or her space in that field. And I, I just admire the fact that she's taking this step because she could have taken the easy route. Again, as I say, she could have gone to Bellator, she could have gone to one championship and been fed like cannon fodder for the rest of her fighting career but instead she's taking the hard route and Britain Hart's no joke either like she's been in some really really tough fights in BKFC and I think it's kind of like I mean on BKFC's part it's an, it's an absolute steal like, I, I can't believe that they managed to pull it off just because the interest that she brings I mean 2.7 million Instagram followers that's not even thinking about her Facebook or Twitter accounts like the eyeballs that she brings to the sport I think we've kind of uh, not necessarily taken for granted but I feel like fans are very quick to dismiss her or particularly UFC fans um, or I, I, maybe fans is a bit general a section of the UFC fans are quite quick to dismiss her and being like oh she's just a, a celebrity fighter and all, all this kind of stuff but at the end of the day Dana backed her David Feldman's backing her she's clearly got something about her I'm not quite saying she's on the same level as like a Connor or maybe a Dustin or any name like that but she's got she's got her own following in her own right and if she can pull it off it's one hell of a way to make a statement yeah, definitely. Um, before you ramble on too much about that, we'll move on to the UFC news. We've got loads to get through, so we don't want to talk forever about um, Bare Knuckle tonight. We've got some quite a few spicy confirmed matchups since uh, since our last episode. We've got Sean O'Malley's back fighting Thomas Almeida. Um, something I actually was I've got on the list to talk about is um, a Sunshine was dropped out of his fight with uh, Rowney Barcelos, and I wanted Sean O'Malley in that fight. That was the fight I wanted for Sean O'Malley. Do you feel like they're kind of maybe feeding him an easy fight here with Almeida? Yeah, it kind of feels like a... Because Almeida didn't look like the, the Almeida of old in his last fight. He looked kind of yeah. just he like looked, he was he sleeping. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I kind of feel like they're trying to rebuild the, the Sugar Sean brand, right? Like, I mean, have you seen what he's come out recently and said, like all the, the heroin stuff? and Oh, what is he on about? <laughs> and I mean, we're not even going to go down the Megan Anderson comments route because, again, I just don't it's think it's worth the time. About. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it just feels like it's just a bit of a... I don't know. I'm kind of like I'm at this stage with Sean O'Malley where I'm like I'm, I watch your fights, but I've I've fallen out of love with his character. Like the Sean O'Malley of old 
kind of dropped me on the edge of a seat, being like, oh my God, he's going to do like something special. Yeah, when he was just like the stoner that rocked up and beat yeah. the shit out of people. Yeah, I was exactly. like, oh, this guy's cool as fuck. <laughs> but, in, in um, a way, it was like, yeah. it was like, it was like the bantamweight Nate, Nate Diaz in a sort of exactly. like, I'm going to hit you and, and do some ridiculous. But Nate Diaz would never say mic. any of the salty stuff Sean O'Malley has said since. Uh, and he's, that's since it, isn't it? You, you just hit the nail on um, the head there, mate. Like, it, it's just, yeah. I and I kind of Robert... feel like, to be honest, this fight is almost more dangerous than if they'd given him a tougher opponent. Because to me, I, I look at his record and he'd not beat anyone that good before he fought Cheeto. There's no one on his record that you go, wow, that's a really good win. Um, and while, you know, he loses to Cheeto, if he wins this, then he'll say, okay, everyone's back on the hype train. You know, Cheeto's a good fighter. He lost to Cheeto, so what? Um, but if he loses this, then you're looking at his record and going, okay, he's only fought two, like what you would call, you know, high level, top of the UFC fighters. And he's lost them both. So is he just a complete hype train? And, you know, obviously, I don't, I don't think he is. I think he's probably going to win comfortably. But I think it's a really dangerous fight and sort of like a crossroads in his career. Um, I mean, we said it the I other think day, right? he'd be better off fighting someone like TJ Dillashaw coming back, where if he loses, everyone goes, oh, well, it's fucking TJ Dillashaw. You know, so what? He's a beast. He lost. Get over it. Go on to the next one. I feel like if he loses this one, there's going to be some real questions asked. We said it the other day, didn't we, about like, derailing momentum and yeah. the amount of hype trains that crashed and burned on Fight Island. And I feel like, as you said... Yeah, he should be isn't... happy. It's going to be in Vegas, not in Fight Island, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he should be he's very happy He's going to blow all his money on hookers or strippers or something. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's just kind of like, it's double-edged sword, right? Down if he does, down if he doesn't. I, I yeah. feel like, I think he's rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way. So uh, I kind of, I'm not, I'm not so sure where his career is going at the moment. And if he loses, as you say, like, where does he go? I mean, I, I can't imagine the UFC will give him much back. I don't see how they can way. push him and hype him up. No, exactly. Was, but actually, right, yeah. what you were saying about Sean stepping in, I have a different route. I was going the Mirab Divashlili fight um, just because I think that, like, he's kind of... <laughs> well, he became a bit of a meme, didn't he? I don't know if you saw that the video of him falling yeah, Of him uh, trying to yeah. jump into an icy lake and just jumping into a bunch of sticks. Have you seen he actually posted a second video of uh, him <laughs> jumping in was... there and beating the shit out of the sticks? <laughs> <laughs> Mirab's taking yeah. none of that. He needed like Rocky music on that, I think. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think uh, I think Mirab would be the perfect replacement just because he's kind of like around that same kind of level as a sound yeah. uh, So, but I don't know if it's a bit too soon because of the injuries. I, I just wanted to see what Barcellus's leg kicks would have done to Sean O'Malley's calves. That's all. <laughs> <You're a man>. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on to the next one, we, we got another absolute banger here. In fact, probably the best one of all the matchups that have been announced recently. Cub Swanson's back, Gavin Tucker. We raved about Gavin Tucker on, I think it was the first episode of this podcast, actually, um, on, on his last win. That's a banger of a fight. Those guys are going to push the pace and go at it, and one of them's probably going to get knocked out. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Cub's on a bit of a tear at the moment. And he's he's yeah, training he just with destroyed um, Pineda in his last fight. Yeah, and he's he's training with the likes of Ortega and um, Archuleta. So, yeah, I, I mean, Killer Cub is back. Yeah, I, I think so. It's kind of set up quite nicely for both. Like if if Cub beats Gavin, then he's kind of beat a hot prospect who's on mm-hmm. another tear. Um, obviously, dismantled Quarantillo. Like looks sensational. Really high on the Tucker train. For Cub, for, for Tucker, obviously, if he beats Cub, it's a ledger. It's a legendless ledger. Um, so yeah, I mean, fantastic matchmaking. I'm kind of glad that they didn't match him up with another prospect. It's kind of nice to see like them going out, going down a different route because again, there's options for both men if they win. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, another one we we got to talk about, even though I'm not quite as excited about it as I am about that one. Cowboy Cerrone, Diego Sanchez. Can I just say this fight? Whoever loses should retire. 
And no, I disagree. And whoever I wins disagree. should fucking <laughs> whoever, retire. Whoever loses should fight Dan Hardy. That's it. That's it. That's all. No, that's, whoever that's all, whoever that's loses it. should retire, and whoever wins should also fucking retire. <laughs> it's that simple. Um, I, I don't really. I don't even really have any thoughts on that fight, other than that I'm pretty sure Cowboy's going to knock him out. Yeah, he's getting stuck. Yeah, the only way I can see it. The only way I can see like I, I don't know. Like I have, I have two scenarios, right? I have either Diego doing some like crazy rolling like thunder kind of. Um, some Joshua flying. Fabia tactic. Yeah, 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 like some like batshit crazy tactic um, to knock out Soroni or, or at least TKO Soroni, or Soroni just just picks him apart, dismantles him, and then stops him. I think that's yeah. kind of like the more likely one. Either way, though, they've got to fight Dan Hardy. I don't care. Like this is the perfect <laughs> comeback. This, this is the Dan Hardy matchmaker. <laughs> Fair enough, I can see it. Um, another thing we got to talk about before we get into into the fights. Um, a man whose fighting days are now over, James Vick, got destroyed last week on XMMA um, and then announced afterwards that he'd retired. I think it was like his fifth knockout in a lot, uh, loss in a row or something like that. Um, kind of got it. It's one of those where you kind of got to go, yeah, it's about, it's about time. Like, good, good for you. <laughs> like, you made your money. Now, before you die, hang it up. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really know what else to say about that. Um, let's not forget, though. He did have a pretty like sparkling rise in the UFC at one point. Like he yeah, was, I think, we, we, I think thirteen and one or something like that. He had a couple impressive wins, and he went into his fight with Justin Gaethje as the favorite. I mean, everyone always brings up the videos of him talking loads of shit to Gaethje, and obviously it didn't go too well. But um, he was the favorite going into that fight, and you know he was a pretty hot prospect. And it's kind of almost a shame to see a guy who is talented just destroyed by the fact that he has no durability on his chin. Um, Luke Rockhold syndrome. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, as you say, no durability. I think that once your chin leaves you, like you've got to think about hanging up, hanging up gloves because again, it's all about long term, long term damage. I was reading a really interesting article from um, MMA fighting's Damon Martin, who was talking about like the effects of bare knuckle on on the brain and, and on the skull, and it's kind of like I think Vic's made the right decision purely because, well, a, a loss on a regional show. Where else is he going to go? Like he's just going to yeah. end up becoming a tin can or a journeyman and I don't think that's like I, I think I think again we've got, we've got to latch on to like his early rise like we, we've got to talk about the fact that again as you say he was one of the hottest prospects in the UFC at one point um, before he met the uh, the unfortunate demise at the hands of Justin Gaethje <laughs> um, but yeah it's just it's, pretty, it's, it's, quite, it's quite sad because it's like it, I mean he's got some good wins on his record he submitted Trujillo he knocked out Polo Reyes he knocked out Joe Duffy which yeah, yeah Joe Duffy <laughs> that's who I was trying he, to think of he, uh, yeah. he built he beat Trinaldo by uh, unanimous decision and at that point he was 13-1 and and his only loss was to Benil Dariush um, which, which was also a bad knockout feat, yeah. Um, and then yeah when Gaethje knockout Felder decision loss Hooker okay. knockout Price was the upkick knockout that was pretty brutal and then uh, this most recent one so, uh, yeah, I mean, I wish him well. And um, it is a shame to see a talented guy that just can't, just can't take the shots anymore um, or hasn't been able to for a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought, thought we'd just give that a mention. Also on that card, you know I'm a big Kyle Bokniak fan because of his fight against the beat, in my opinion, one of the most underrated and best fights of all time. Just Ric Flair in his way into Zabit's punches and combinations. Um, he looked pretty impressive in his win on that card. I don't know if we'll see him back in the UFC anytime soon or at all. Um, but I would like it because he's an absolute tough bastard and um, just an entertaining fighter to watch. So he looked like he had a few more sort of attacking things in his arsenal. I, I know a big criticism of him in the UFC was, okay, yeah, he's tough. He's got a good chin. He's ballsy, but he doesn't actually have that many weapons. 
to, to hurt his opponents with. He looked really good. So, you know, yeah, it's a regional card and whatever. Not that impressive, I guess, overall in the grand scheme of the MMA universe. But um, I want to give him a shout out because I like Kyle Bokniak and I want to see him back in the UFC at some point. Um, off the uh, off the confirmed news, onto the rumor mill. Got some uh, some matchmaking rumors to, to go on. John Anik posted something on his Instagram about uh, him and Paul Felder training together. And the caption was like, um, my buddy Paul Felder uh, training for a triathlon, currently training for a triathlon and a fight at the same time. So everyone's you know, discussing it on Twitter and, and Instagram. Who the hell is he fighting? Who's Paul Felder fighting next? Do you have any ideas? Do you know, I was mulling about this before I came on. I was thinking either, it's, it's, I think it's one of three people. I think it's either potentially Nate Diaz, because that would be quite a nice... I know Nate said he's, he wants to be at 170, but I think he's just chatting mm-hmm. shit. I think I think the, the most sensible route for Diaz is to go to lightweight and fight McGregor for the third fight, but he'll need a tune-up fight. I'm not saying Felder's a tune-up fight because it's a pick for me. Tony Ferguson, because, I mean, again, me and Dan Hardy were talking about this the other day, and I was like, that's the dream. Like, that is such a dream matchup. Tony Ferguson versus Nate Diaz is just fireworks. Or potentially, Paul Felder versus Ally Quinter if he comes back. <laughs> I agree to was one of the ones I looked at just because I like the two names together would draw people to watch. Yeah. Um, one I thought who's not a big name is going to be a big name at some point, probably isn't a big name enough yet to fight Felder, but would just be an insane fight with Paul Felder was uh, Rafael Faziv. Um, oh, probably not a high enough, enough rank yet. Probably needs one more win to get Felder. But um, man, if that was announced, I would be pumped for that. Couldn't make that a main event on a fight night. I don't care. Um, you know, Faziv's looked amazing in every single fight and if anyone's got the toughness to go in there and take his strikes and give them back, be Felder. Um, that, that's not my that, that's not my works. pick of what it would actually be, but God damn, that would be amazing if that's what it was. Yeah, I feel like, well, I think the trouble is he's going to, because he's an analyst, he's got a decent pop on social media. It'll oh, it'll definitely be a big in it. Yeah, it won't be for yeah. yet, but that was my dream. Like, yeah, that, I, I mean, uh, my dreams, my dreams hey, are hooker. I'll pay my dreams are hooker for rematch. that fight. Yeah. <laughs> my dream is a hooker rematch, just because of how good the first one was. But, um, I think I don't think hookers fight anytime soon at the moment. But, and then we got yeah. um, it's a weird a one. Sun Xiao out as well. We need a we need an opponent for Barcelos. We talked I talked about one in Sean O'Malley for him. Um, who do you think? We, oh well, you already said Mayrab, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just let me just bring up the rankings here. Um, I would love to see Barcelos fight every week because the guy's an absolute <laughs> beast. Put him on every card for all I care. But um, oh, I've just got ads popping up now. Trying to bring up the rankings. Sean O'Malley was, uh, I got ruined here because Sean O'Malley was my pick for, for what we were going to discuss here. And then uh, the news came out that Sean O'Malley's already got a fight. So let me just bring up the fight ins. Uh, oh, Vera. I mean, I know it's like, um, it's, five, it's five places ahead, but Marlon Vera would be quite nice. I mean, that'd be a good fight. Cheeto's coming off a loss to Jose Aldo. Um, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll steal that one right now. That's my pick. <laughs> Cheeto <laughs> against Barcelos. Um, you know, that would be, there'd be, there'd be some leg kicks in exchange there. <laughs> the calves would be red. And then uh, finally, before we move on to the fights this weekend, Tony Ferguson calling out Nate Diaz on, on Twitter, basically saying, you're a bitch, like you're a fake tough guy, all this and that, um, you know, come fight a real fighter. And I think he's even offered to fight him at welterweight, which is a bit odd. Um, I, Tony at welterweight would be kind of odd to see. But um, what do you think about that? I mean, that's, that's a fan's wet dream of a fight. That, that yeah. is like... In terms of big name and star power. Yeah. Right? But also, I feel like that's fight of the year potential. Like... Nate's never in a dull fight. Tony's never in a dull fight. I mean, I know he's coming off two losses, but yeah, so what? Like, again, it's never in, he's never in a dull fight. Like, that is just carnage. 
that that's they both bleed a lot. That that's pure claret everywhere. Um, they're both going to need to go to the hospital straight after. Like oh, Nate would be a like just a blanket of red. After yeah, that. Like, can you imagine the can you imagine the ground game as well? Like that's just got my mouth watering just thinking. Yeah, like, it'd be fun. The role. So, yeah, and... I, I, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, sign me up, Dana. Get it done. This could be like I feel like this could be an unofficial uh, quarterfinal for the lightweight tournament. I tell you what, it could be. It could be strip Jorge Masvidal of the BMF and let these two fight for the <laughs> vacant BMF belt because anyone that <laughs> spends a year sucking off Trump uh, is not a BMF. Um, and that's not because, you know... Oh, we got no, political. It took us, no, what, 20 no minutes? No political <laughs> affiliations here. No political affiliations here. I'm a Brit, so I have no, you know, nothing there, no influence from me. But it, it, regardless of what side they're on, if you're an MMA fighter trying to, like, suck up to a politician for fame or popularity when they really don't even know who you are, they just pretend to, um, you're not the BMF. That's not BMF behaviour. I'm sorry. Um but uh, yeah. talk. Strip, talk. strip Masvidal of the title and make Tony Ferguson Nate Diaz for the for the true BMF. Would you would you ever see Tony Ferguson or Nate Diaz saying, "Oh Trump, oh Joe no. Biden"? Either one of them. It doesn't matter which side it is. It wouldn't happen. That you know that could be that could be an eliminator for Colin, for Connor and Dustin three. Yeah, be a good co-main. Oh, oh can you yeah, imagine that card put, put put Charlie Olives and Michael Chandler on the same card that is a ridiculous main <laughs> Charlie card Olives. poor Charlie Olives He's, that nickname is going to stick forever um, okay we'll move on to the oh no we forgot um, we forgot we Arnold Allen we forgot Big Al oh yeah I didn't put that on the notes that's cool Arnold that's Allen cool Arnold Allen's back Sadiq Yusuf yeah I know you're going to predict Allen to win that I, I'm predicting Yusuf I I am Purely because I think of the range. I think I, I think Alan's quite good at judging range, and from what I've seen of Yusuf on the tape, I don't know. In his last fight, he kind of tried to close distance, and he was a bit off the pace. So I'm kind of thinking that if Arnold can just stick with his jab, I feel like he'll get the edge on points. But again, it's kind of like UFC. What you're doing to me? You're picking. I think I wrote an article <laughs> like I wrote an article like a couple of years ago talking about like. Of UFC prospects who like, who will be in the top ten and all this kind of stuff, and both of them were on it, and it, uh, like, and I think they were completely different ends of the, the rankings and all that kind of stuff. And now it's just like, oh, am I going to choose? They, lo- they love squaring your prospects up against each other. Just it's just to piss you off. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, okay, now that you've reminded me of that, that I've forgotten, um, we'll move on to the fight card this weekend. Not too much exciting on the prelims, to be honest. Um, the main card is absolutely insane, but we'll just, there's a couple of fights I do want to talk about on the prelims. Um, we've got Ode Osborne coming back. Uh, he had that loss to Brian Keller where he came out like an absolute madman, tried some like crazy kick or knee, I don't remember, off, right off the bat, um, tried to make his own like Masvidal highlight reel um, and ended up getting submitted like a minute later. So um, maybe see a little bit more of a measured approach from him. He's fighting Jer- um, Jerome Rivera, who won on contender series and since then has gone 0 and 2 in the UFC. So I feel like there could be some fireworks here because you've got two kind of up and coming guys who both desperately need to win. I, I feel like this is going to be a good fight. Yeah, it's make or break for both, right? So yeah. all game plan out the window, pure carnage. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's, got, who's got the heart to, to stand in there and keep their job, basically? Um, <laughs> you know, Osborne, you know, like I said, it's only one loss, so maybe not quite so much. But Rivera coming from contender series, if you go 0 and 3 in your first three fights, that's going to be a struggle to, uh, you know, keep your name in there when Dana's cutting people left, right, and center. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Meatball Molly is back, fighting Pride of Liverpool after a loss to Talia Santos, um, fighting Laura Procopio. I don't know if I said that right. 
gave it my best. We'll roll with it. It's fine. Um, it's cool. <laughs> as I said to you, I don't know anything about her, so um, I'm just assuming that Molly's just going to wreck her. To be honest, yeah, she's got quite good credentials. Like, I don't know. The UFC had this thing right with with Molly's opponents. They rank well. I mean, Talia Santos is the prime example. They kind of put her up against people that they think are going to go on to do things. But it's kind of like she's kind of like a litmus test, I think. Or at least she's become a bit of a litmus test. And I, th- I think this is either... This isn't necessarily a make or break for Molly, I don't think. I think it's more of a... I don't think it's necessarily a must win because she's got a lot of, of, of draw power and star power in the UK, at least, and, and Europe. But I think I think it's one of those where... For me, she's got to win, not not to, to keep her job or to keep a place in the UFC, but for herself. Like, she's come out on... on interviews and, and talked about like how much it would mean to her to like honor the memory of her dad and, and all that kind of stuff and it's kind of it's a different it's in the same way to what i was talking about mcgregor is a different account from what I'm, the one i'm used to seeing the one i'm used to seeing is, is red hot i mean i say that i mean did you see the face off like this is going to be pure fireworks but like she seemed um very reserved and very very methodical and i, I think she's she's kind of done away with the whole gunslinger attitude of right throw fists until I fall over kind of thing. I think she's she's very much Let's got a game plan in place. Bolognese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doesn't work on, with the know. name. Doesn't work with the name, but that's what we're going with. Um, another fight I feel like we have to talk Daddy about. Value with the chance of peoples. <laughs> another fight I feel like we have to talk about. Mike Rodriguez is back. I tweeted earlier, if Mike Rodriguez loses this fight, I'm going to puke. Um, got absolutely screwed this Ed Herman. For anyone who didn't see that fight, um, he dropped Herman with a body shot, and I don't remember who the ref was. It was probably Herb Dean. But um, the ref thought Herman got hit in the nuts, stopped the fight, and Herman, um, what's the best word to use for this? Crafty, shall we say crafty? Um, craftily decided, oh, yeah, you're right, ref. I did get hit in the nuts, and uh, took his time, recovered from basically being knocked out. Um, so it should have been a knockout, knockout win for Rodriguez, and then Herman chokes him out like pretty soon after that, I think. Um, Rodriguez coming back fighting uh, Daniel Marquez. And I'm just going to bring up something here, if I can find it quickly enough while I'm talking. Um, Danilo Marquez, we often talk about when you kind of get these lesser known fighters of like record padding. Like you look at their record and you go, oh, wow, they're 10 and 1 or whatever. And then you actually look at their opponents and none of them are that good. When I was looking at Danilo Marquez's record, first of all, his last fight against uh, Ibrahimov, one of the worst fights I've ever watched. Just going to throw that out there. There was like a three-minute spell where I don't think they landed a strike between them. It was just Ibrahimov throwing these like wild, super non-technical overhands. Um, But yeah, so that fight was terrible. And then, okay, so here, before he he joined the UFC, two fights before he joined the UFC, he got a submission win in round one. This is Danilo Marquez I'm talking about. Um, I click on this guy's record just to see, you know, oh, is this an impressive win for Marquez? You know, this guy's a, a new face to UFC. He must have something about him. And uh, this guy that he beat is 0-21, 12, 12 knockout losses, nine submissions. He's never, he's never gone to the scorecards. But wait, there's more. When you actually go into the fights, he's never made it out of the first round. And this was, I mean, this was Marquez's like ninth or tenth fight, I think. Um, what is his record now? He's 10 and 2. So this was like his eighth or ninth fight in his career, was fighting a guy who's 0 and 21 and has never made it out of the first round of a fight. Um, if Mike Rodriguez loses this fight to a guy who, in my opinion, has proven nothing, I mean he's fighting bums like that, and then he's fighting Ibrahimov in absolute sn- you know snooze fests. I- I'm gonna throw up. I'm actually gonna throw up if Mike Rodriguez loses this fight. Did you speaking of Mike Rodriguez, did you see that photo of, of um he put up of him and 
Over him and the Reem, from, yeah, yeah. Uh, from when Close. he was working in an airport. Absolute <laughs> great story. And and what a story it would be if he, if he then got the knockout of the night, you know, before yeah, you know, the night, knockout that, yeah. tomorrow night, and uh, you know, a deserved bonus after what happened to him in his last fight. Who's the favorite? Bonus. I imagine Rodriguez. Is the oh, Rodriguez favorite. is a pretty big favorite, yeah, um, pretty big favorite, and deservedly so. I mean, like I said, Marquez hasn't really fought anyone that impressive or got that many impressive wins. So, um, so as the expert betting specialist on this podcast, who are you betting on? <laughs> I'm, I'm at Rodriguez. Under under two point five rounds, Rodriguez in the first two rounds for sure knockout. Um, I say for sure when I have, whenever I say for sure that means it's not for sure. But um, I was going to yeah. say we've, we've done pretty crap in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, our predictions weren't great for the uh, for the pay per view uh, two weeks ago. So um, yeah, Rodriguez knockout. I'll go second round, calling it now. There you go for sure, certain, set in stone. Um, we'll move on to the main card. Absolute banger opening up the main card. Kind of surprised they didn't make this the uh, the prelim headliner actually, because they often do that with the with the big fights that don't quite make the you know high up part of the main card. Benil Dariush, Diego Ferreira, probably the two sort of best dark horses in the lightweight division right now. Absolute beast. Ferreira just subbed um, Pedersen his last fight, and Dariush obviously coming off two insane knockouts last year. Who, who are you taking for this one? Yeah, it's quite a tough one because they fought before, haven't they? Yeah, I think Darius won by decision, I think. Yeah, I'm kind of, just because of that, I'm kind of giving the edge to Darius because I think he's kind of, he's got a bit more to his game overall. Like, good on the ground, striking's come on leaps and bounds. And Ferreira has had trouble against strikers in the past. So I kind of, and I kind of think, because Darius, the trouble is they're both really unpredictable. But I think, um, I think Darius has the edge, the psychological edge at least, of, getting the win in the first place so it'd be wrong of me to go against him but having said that I think Ferreira trains at ATT and it's really hard to go against an ATT fighter I mean, we saw that two weeks ago I did and I got it wrong so uh, but no I think I think just because of the momentum that Darius is on he's kind of like they, they, they've done a lot of media coverage of, of I mean I, I'm sure you saw that the video of the, the interview that they did, he did the other day where he was talking about how how much it, it meant the win meant to him because the fact his wife is pregnant and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think I think we have to go with Darius, just because I think, again, he's got a bit more to his game overall. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Ferreira pull out a submission from nowhere. <laughs> I, I'm in the same boat as you. A, a weird, freaky submission wouldn't surprise me at all from Ferreira. Like, he, he can do that. But um, the, the Darius story that you just referenced, I, I've got in the notes, um, he said basically that uh, his wife was pregnant at the time he was going into that fight with uh, Draco Close. And he tore his MCL two weeks before the fight. And ACL, MCL? I think he said MCL. Um, and he was just like, you know, fuck it. You know, I, I want to just show my my unborn child that, um, you know, torn balls. MCL is nothing. <laughs> um, you know, not, not even a torn MCL can slow you down. So, uh, yeah. And, and I, I rewatched the fight. And a few times in the fight, Joe Rogan says stuff like, oh, Benil, his movement doesn't look good here. He's, and I think he said it just before the, the crazy fight ending sequence. He said something about um, Benil's legs look really hurt. His, you know, Close has hurt his legs. And turns out Close didn't hurt his legs. He had a torn MCL going into the fight. So, um, yeah, great story there. And, you know, just what a performance, obviously. And um, four finishes in a row, five wins in a row. I'm going, I'm going with Benny as well. Um, I'm a big fan. And uh, he's just a nice guy. So it's really hard not to root for guys like that. And so I'm being really biased. And Ferreira's a beast. But yeah, I'm going Benny as well. Um, next up, we got uh, Askar Askar. Great name. Stepping in to fight Cody Stamen. Um, I don't know if you saw any of the the sort of press stuff this week with, uh, with Askar. But um, 
great personality. He was talking about um, how he watches all the fights and, and they were saying like, you know, it's your debut in the UFC, you're going to be overwhelmed or overawed or whatever with the UFC. And he was like, no, because I'm a fan. I, I watch every fight on every card. I watch all the pre... And he was, you could see him kind of dropping that little needle in there that like, I watch all the prelims. I'm not, I'm not one of these non-prelim casuals. And so, uh, you know, prelim gang, Askar Askar is your, is your kind of fighter. Um, he's, a, he's a fan at heart. And just everything he said, like you could see he respects Stamen, but also like in a competitive match, like he's competitive about it, that he's not just, you know, rolling over for him. I know a lot of fighters talk about, you know, you can't show them too much respect your opponent or you know gonna get in your own head that they're too good for you so um yeah just every i thought he said all the right things for a guy coming in kind of relatively unknown i hadn't heard too much about him and um i do like cody stamen but i'm kind of rooting for the uh for the underdog upset here uh, to be honest with you um i watched a little bit of tape on him he's got some pretty fun striking and and some heavy hands for sure so um it wouldn't surprise me if he got a an, an upset knockout here yeah like you say it wouldn't surprise me at all i just think i kind of think stamen's a bit more experienced at like the top level, so that's the only reason I give him the slight edge. But again, I've looked at the tape of oh, Askar, I, I think and... deservedly the favourite, yeah, mm, yeah. But as you say, like, I looked at the tape of Askar, and he's, he's, again, he's got a well-rounded game, striking that's really slick at times. So, yeah, you might be right. I mean, again, I, I, I just goes back to what I said earlier. At first glance, I thought, oh, this card's a bit stinky, and then the more you look into it, it's like ah, oh, straight banger after banger after banger. <laughs> Yeah, and, and another thing he said as well in in this um, when he was doing the press was that like he's going to come out there like if he, he's, he's going to come out there and, and bring the fight and if he gets knocked out that ha- you know that's so be it if he gets the knockout win so be it if it's, an it's on the record war, as well like both guys fifteen are... minutes there you go um, so I just thought ev- everything he said I was like fuck yeah I cannot wait to watch this guy fight um, you know I was more excited from what he said than I was from watching his tape to be honest with you um, and that's not a, you know insult to what I saw when I was watching his tape just he just said all the right things it got me really excited this is, this is his UFC debut isn't it? yes this like, is his debut um, that's, that's so, a hell of a test. Oh, it's a, a massive step from anything he's fought before. If you look at his record, um, to fight Cody Stamen, who just nineteen three. Can't actually remember who he just beat, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, huge test. Yeah, I mean, that is, yeah, they kind of thrown him at the deep end. I'm surprised. Maybe they, they must think they must be hot on him for some reason. I mean, again, I haven't looked at his tape. I can see why. Oh, Brian Keller, that's who Cody Stamen just beat. We just mentioned him earlier with Osborne. Um, yeah, beat yeah, Keller yeah. by a decision. And before that, he lost to Jimmy Rivera in a decision. So, like I say, in terms of experience, you know, he's fighting, you know, not the best of the best, but, you know, right up there in terms of, you know, quality opponents that uh, that Ascar won't have. Um, you know, before that, he fought Alejandro Perez, Song Yudong. So, um, he actually drew with Song Yudong. Love a draw every now and again. <laughs> Also, greatest name in UFC history. <laughs> I don't know. I think Askar Askar is coming in here for Song Yudong's crown. I don't know because it's just like a, it's just a bait version of Askar Askarov, isn't it? Yeah, actually, when I typed in Askar Askar to look at his record, it was just Askarov everywhere. And I was like, no, <laughs> this is not what I'm looking for. I had to sift through like two pages to find him because of Askarov. All right, who are we talking about next? We've got uh, Pantoja oh, yes. against Manel yes. Cape. What a banger this is going to be. Um, I just said I looked at a little bit of Ascar's tape. I looked at a lot of Cape. And oh, I don't know that I'm pronouncing his name right, but oh my God, this guy's a beast. And you know Pantoja. Every Pant- When is it ever not a fun Pantoja fight? Every Pantoja fight is fun. Um, how excited are you for this one? 
I am buzzing. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you saw the the rising card where Cape actually knocked out Kaya Sakura, who just yeah. who just won the crown again um, in in December. But Christ, I mean, just look at the people who fought: Kyoji Horiguchi, Ian McCool, Asakura, Takeya Mizugaki. Like, it's like it, it, the guy doesn't shy away from a fight. I think that's fair to say. Rising. I mean, you just look at his record, rising champion, um, absolute beast, man. Like, and he, I think, I mean, he's called Starboy. I mean, what, what, like, what else do you need to know? The man's literally like Ziggy Stardust. Like, he's just, he's got the it factor. So <laughs> Did we get of, a Bowie reference into the podcast yeah, this week? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to go the weekend there, but you veered off and went for Bowie. Okay. Uh, no, yeah, I had to, I had to go with um, the big old Bowie. No, I, I, I just, I'm really high on this guy. Like, I've, I've been following him for a while, and for me, like he's just got like this. His style, right, is so flair. Like, if I'm going to draw another Bowie comparison here, but he's got the flair, he's got the it factor. Everything he does is dynamic and bold. And Pantoja, as you say, has never in a dull fight. So for me, this has just got fight of the night written all over it. Like, if it's not, I'll eat my words. But I'm, I'm guaranteeing you that someone's getting carried out at the end of this or um or it's a 15 minute fight of the night yeah exactly yeah or, yeah. or it's just like they're both going to resemble body bags by the end of it so well take your pick <laughs> I, I, I was gonna pick pantoja for sure because i just i'm a big pantoja fan like like we said all his fights are fun how can you not love a guy who just goes out there and has wars every time um but something that did worry me a little bit and this is completely random and completely unrelated was Dan Hooker's loss two weeks ago, because I kind of thought there's some parallels you can draw there where you've got a guy who's in lots of wars and we're always praising his chin and saying what a, what a beast he is and how tough he is and how he can't really, you know, fault his chin at all. And then boom, one power shot from a, from a really powerful strike with heavy hands knocks him out. Kate has really heavy hands for his weight class. And, um, you know, like Dan Hooker, Pantoja's been been in a lot of wars, a lot of wars, a lot of shots. He took like three or four really clean shots on the chin from Figueredo that like kind of half dropped him and and didn't really knock him out. But, you know, out for maybe a millisecond and then back to it because he's a beast. Um, And I just I wonder if there's a little bit of that concern there where we've seen a guy who's in loads of wars and it's like they just loosen the the jam jar lid and then is Cape going to come and rip it off? Um, that would be my one concern with Pantoja is just the accumulation of damage on the on a chin that we usually say is really good. And, uh, you know, is he going to get Dan Hooker? Um, I've actually written down here on the notes, as you probably saw. Sean O'Malley said on his podcast, I don't know, today or this week sometime, that he knocked Pantoja out cold when they were sparring um, a few years ago. He said back when he was just 3-0. and so, you know, barely even turned pro. He said Henry Cejudo was watching and said, like, knock him out. And he just took him out cold. Um, do you believe that? I don't really believe in anything Sean O'Malley says. So, <laughs> well, Sean O'Malley still says he's undefeated. So, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, neither we say anymore. No, I, I think it's just one of those things. Like, you, what happens in sparring stays in sparring. Like, eh. It does worry me a little bit, though, because I always picture Pantoja as like, as like a Vicente Luque, just iron chin. Like, he'll just walk forward because eventually the damage is going to top up more on you than it does on him. Um, and, you know, the fact that if that claim is true, like I just said about Hooker, where you've got a lot of you know accumulation of damage, is Cape just going to land one clean shot that just you know takes it clean off? I mean, did, did you see his finish of Asakura? Like Christ! Yeah, brutal. <laughs> but then how said that? He got submitted by Horiguchi, but Horiguchi is no mug, so 
Yeah, as much as as much as I want a war and I expect a war, and I think Pantoja is the kind of guy that'll be like, yeah, fight, let's strike and have a war. Dude, they're both capable think, of like. I think he'd be bombs. smart to take this down. To be honest, I think he'd be smart to take it to the mat and just not even risk standing there trading. Yeah, but then Cape's got like a a decent ground game himself, and submitting people. He's got submissions on his record. I don't think he's on the same level as Pantoja though in terms of grappling. Oh no, of course not, but. Um... Oh yeah, I mean he's only got one Nakamura. But I just I don't know. I just think like Rising, you fight like some absolute killers. I mm-hmm. know Pantoja's obviously fought like the best of the best, but I just wonder if Cape's got a bit more like a bit more of a bit in his teeth, just because he's got like this is his debut on a really decent card. Like he'll want to make a statement kind of thing. Yeah, he's got that um, fire in his belly when you watch the interviews with him. He's uh... yeah. He's a fire. He, he looks hungry, doesn't he? Like, yeah, he looks like he's going out there for a highlight, not just a win. <laughs> so I, I yeah, like I said, I, I'm picking Pandoja because I'm a fan and I'm extremely biased when I do my picks to who I actually um like and know. But um This is the second this is the second it time it's been booked, isn't it? It was booked. Um I think so, yeah. It was booked like six months ago or something. Maybe not six months ago, maybe like three months ago. Um but yeah, I I do have a slight worry you might get Michael Chandler on Dan Hooker. Um <laughs> Next, we have Michael Johnson and Clay Guida. Um, last week, we introduced a new feature on our um, when we review cards where we talk about a Garbrandt game plan winner, and that is the award we give after each card to someone who has the worst game plan or the worst fight IQ, worst show of fight IQ. And can I just nominate early <laughs> that Michael Johnson's going to win the first round dominantly? We're all going to be like, oh, Michael Johnson's back. This is the Michael Johnson we all know and love. And then he's going to do something stupid and lose and get caught in a guillotine. Yeah, I, that's how I can see. I, I mean, you can see you could make that argument about both of them. That's what I think makes this this fight so much fun, right? Like they're at the stage of their career now, but they just don't care. Like Clay Guida for me, absolute legend. Like one of my favorite fighters of all time, just because mm. he never has a game plan. <laughs> He's just so reckless with everything that he throws or or tries to land. So, I yeah, for, for, I, weirdly, I'm kind of leaning towards this as like. A dark horse for fight of the night. I know it sounds so weird because, like, that. Really yeah, if one of them doesn't get knocked out, they're gonna stand. They're gonna stand and trade. So, yeah, like it could it could turn into an absolute banger. Yeah, and they're like they kind of like got they've got good respect for each other, understandably so. That like, I mean, you just have to look at their records, see how many fights mm-hmm. they fought, and I'm kind of again, it's one of those weird ones where like you don't really want to see a veteran lose at this at this stage in their career, just because it might be another like sign that they're being pushed out the door. I kind of, I kind of have that feeling that, like, the loser of this may retire. Yeah, I could see it, um, but uh, definitely, definitely, we're going to be talking about one of these fighters on Monday as our Garbrandt game plan winner. Hundred percent, I'm locking it in now. There's no way it's not. Like, there's no one else on this card that's gonna, that's gonna create as much chaos as these two. <laughs> it's gonna be wild. And then moving on to the Cobain, we've got the Sandman Corey Sandhagen is coming back. Um, after that insanely impressive win against Marlon, um, against Frankie Edgar, who just came off a, a slightly controversial decision win against uh, Munoz. And um, I got to say, Frankie Edgar's a huge underdog in this fight. And if, if I was a betting man, which I am, <laughs> um, I, I'm tempted by Frankie Edgar because he's a huge underdog. And yes, Sanhagen's really good. Sanhagen's a favorite for a reason. I think I would probably lean him if you were just pointing a gun to my head and saying who's going to win. But in terms of what the odds are looking like, Edgar's value for money here is a huge underdog. And 
I mean, he could, he could just wrestle fuck the shit out of him for, for lack of more technical I think terms. It. I think uh, I think the only thing that's like leaning me because I love Frankie Pieces like again one of my favorite fighters of all time, but I don't have questions about his chin because he fought Munoz, but then Munoz isn't a striker. Like I think I know he's, he knocked out Cody, but by trade he's not a striker. Like he just doesn't have those hands. Um, I'm, I don't question. Frankie's chin, but you, you do have to look at some of the losses that he's had over the years. Mm-hmm. And then you have to look at what Sandegan just did to Marlon Marais, who you could say the exact same thing about. Yeah, so, but I think Augusta Wind could knock out Marlon at this point. Actually, so. I think they're training, they're training partners, aren't they? Yeah. Um, they're Marlon and, I think Marlon and Frankie trained together. So again, maybe he's picked up things that Marlon didn't implement for obvious reasons. Le- lean back <laughs> when he throws a spinning head kick. <laughs> Again, just you just said there. it. I think I think Reach is going to play. Matt. Like I think to win, like Sandhagen has to do fewer things. To I, I think it's if take... if Frankie can keep it down because Sandhagen's yeah. like scrambling on the mat is insane. I, I can't remember who it was. Um, he's kind of, he's a bit like Cruz. One of his er, one of his early fights in the UFC, he was locked in a couple submissions early in the fight, and it looked for oh, sure he was yeah. going to get that, submitted. Was that the one where he did like um, that Slimani role kind of thing? Like, yeah, I can't for the life of me remember who it was. Let me just look it up quickly, but um. Yeah, he's he's crafty, you know, he's crafty on the mat. Um, so I think it's just can Ed can Frankie get him down and keep him down? Um yeah. I think it was Yuri Alcantara. Oh, I think God, that, that was a, the fight. Um, that was a banger of a looking fight. here, it was fight of the night on the night. Um on the it's on the Gaethje versus Bit card, actually. Um, speak of the devil. Oh, so um <laughs> <laughs> poor poor James Vick. Um so yeah, it, I mean, if you watch, if you go back and watch that fight, it looked for sure. I think he was in an armbar or something for like a solid minute or two, and um, just like our boy Evo, just yeah, yeah, exactly, just slimed his way out of it. And um, so I do kind of worry. Like I said, I, I am I am leaning Frankie out of you know from a from a value perspective in the nostalgia. I, I, like, <laughs> I like a big underdog, and yeah, nostalgia is probably playing a little bit into it as well. Um, but Corey's scrambling could be a problem because he he could just. You know, like you said, cruise style, spring up, sprawl out of it, um, and kind of avoid the takedowns and turn it into. I think his reach as well, man. Ball. Like I was just thinking about Max and how Max fought Frankie, like mm-hmm. kept on the outside, picked him apart. Then as the fight dragged on, just dominated with well, a, bl- a barrage of punches, and I kind of think that I don't think San Diego's necessarily got the striking or the same level of striking as Max. I mean, no one does. Well, actually, apart from Dustin, but we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I kind of, I kind of just think like it, I can just see a Sandhagen head kick from like nowhere, ending Frankie's night, and it doesn't feel good to say. But I think it's kind of well. made. It's kind of um, made for. It's kind of made for Corey to do like a a run at the title. Like, yeah, to make his name me, on this fight. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's already you know made his name with with people who follow UFC, but maybe not not so much people who don't follow it too regularly. Um, I was looking at Frank, you know, Frankie's record. All his losses are to like the best of the best, pretty much. Um, and so I think you know, like you said, if Corey wants to make a run, this is the perfect one to put on the resume. Like if you beat Frankie Edgar, you're right up there. You're legit. Um, you know, like you said, his last yeah yeah the loss to Max and then lost to Zombie. Um, Korean Zombie knocked him out, and then um, he came back and beat Munoz. So it's like you he have to Ortega, be. He lost to Ortega too, didn't he? Uh, yeah, I think that was like two or three fights before the before the max loss, um, maybe two. I think there was a win in between there somewhere. Um, you have to be like that elite level to beat Frankie, basically. So I, I do feel like you know maybe they are just setting this up as a 
as you know, just tight, you know, let's set Corey up as the next challenger after the Aljo and Jan fight. Um, although we saw what happened last time, Aljo fought Corey Sandhagen, but we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning Frankie. Screw it. I like an underdog, and um, the odds are way too one sided here for what I think is probably like a 60 40 fight. Um, it depends how much Frankie. Frankie's got left Frankie. in his locker as well, I think. Like, I'm not saying he should retire, I don't think he should retire, but it depends how much he wants it. Like, he talks about being like a three division champ. Which would be ridiculous. Um, did no wait, three division, two division. Was he? For, I can't work it out. My memory doesn't go that far back. I'm afraid. <laughs> I think it'd be two division champ. I don't think he was. No, I could be wrong. And he'll have four. He'll have won. He's won a fight in three weight classes. I know that. Yeah. But I don't think he'd be a champion too. No, he hasn't. No, he's not. He's not a champ champ. So he would be a champ champ if he won bantamweight. I'm trying to work out. Apologies for our American listeners. It's like 10 o'clock <laughs> and we've both had a really long day. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, maybe... Um, he has won He has won the lightweight, defended it twice, uh, yeah. then lost it, then fought for it again, um, and then went down to featherweight and instantly fought for the featherweight title against Jose Aldo and lost. Um, that was it. That's what I was trying to remember. So he's been in a featherweight title fight. Yeah. So I, I could see one so last title, title fight for both. Um, yeah. So I can, I can see another title run. If he actually made it to the bantamweight title fight, I mean, I'd love to see Aldo versus Edgar. I think that'd be like an insane grappling match, just because of the, the level of Frankie's wrestling. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm leaning Sandhagen. I just I just can't see. I can't I, I can't I can't see Frankie closing the distance without getting hit, and that's kind of like the the worry for me. Like, how much does Frankie have left? I'm I'm more worried about can he keep him down once he gets him down to be honest because Sane can just square me he just square him out of there. Um, right, then we'll he's the man. He'll be the heavier man, won't he? Because he's yeah, out. yeah, will be. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to the main event. Talk about the Ream. I know we both agreed on this one. Um, something I actually mentioned before, just before we started recording. Um, Astro Ream is the underdog here in this fight against Alexander Volkov. Um, Ream has won four of his last five. The one defeat in there was the knockout loss to Biggie Boy um, Rosenstrike, who. You know, let's be honest, Overeem dominated 99% of that fight. Um, you know, a loss is a loss, and yeah, he got his mouth punched <laughs> off his face. But, um, you know, he won most of that fight and looked really good. So it's not like it was a bad performance. He just got caught by, uh, you know, you know, Rosenstrike can do that to you, um, do that to anyone. And um, I, don't, I don't understand how he's the underdog in this fight. I don't understand it one bit. Um, you look at Volkov's record, everyone really good that he's fought, He's lost to um, his wins against big names have all come sort of in the the twilight of their career. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you look at it like Roy Nelson, like an aging Struve, Verdun, Struve, yeah, um, an aging, well, aging Struve. I was going to say, but Struve was always um, <laughs> Struve always kind of fought like he was like seventy. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, <laughs> don't, I was just don't mention record. <laughs> I was looking at Volkov's record, and there was there was nothing that jumped out to me that yeah, I mean, like he lost. He lost I mean, this says it all. He lost to Jay Congo. Like, yeah, that's, um, I mean, we can kind of maybe call that an anomaly, to be fair to him. <laughs> but um, yeah, and, the, you know, looking more specifically at recent, you know, fights rather than just drawing off the record, which is a bit uh, bit of a casual way to do it. Um, you look at this fight with Curtis Blades, you know, and another thing you mentioned before we start recording, Curtis Blades and Overeem trained together. Curtis Blades literally sat on top of Volkov for 25 minutes and was never in danger, even for a moment, of losing the fight. Yeah, Overeem could easily do that. that. 
And as you said earlier, do more damage than Blades. Blades just kind of sat on top of him. Overeem could take him down and beat the shit out of him down there. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember who, was, I can't remember who it was, but I was watching... Um, you'll know as the, the ultimate Reem fan, but I was watching one of his, his finishes and he literally just took the guy down and blasted him with elbows on the top. And it really made me appreciate, like... I mean, that's pretty how, much what he did to Walt Harrison's last fight. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Harris, though. It was, like, earlier in his career. I can't remember who it was, though. I think it might have been Pride. Oh, how I far back does my memory go? Again, we'll just blame the fact it's 10 o'clock. Um, <laughs> it's late. It's late. That's yeah, the excuse. Exactly. Yeah, we've been working. Literally, we haven't stopped looking at screens. Um, I think, uh, yeah. I think, as I said to you before, cool. Like, Blades has got an insane ground game. Elevation are a sick team. Really good, like, head coach, training partners. Like, I'd, Neil Magny, for instance, another good guy on the ground. I mean, I know we got drowned by um, Michael Chiesa, but again, he's very versatile, mm-hmm. well-rounded. And I think I think Reem's at this stage now in his career where it's all or nothing for him. Like, if he wants to talk shot, as he keeps on saying, he's got to win this fight. And Volkov is kind of made for him in the sense that Volkov's not going to I mean, I know he's got a submission on his record, but he's not against Blago Ivanov. But like, I think it's a perfect fight for him. I think it's yeah. a perfect fight. I think striking. I can't if believe anything, he's not. I, if if I anything, they're even. I'd say he's a better. I'd say he's a better striker. If anything, Blaze is a better. Blaze is um, a way better striker. Look at look you at. You mean over over uh, him? Over him, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Blaze is definitely not. Um, Apologies. Um, yeah. Retract that statement immediately. No, over <laughs> we'll, him. We'll cut like... it out in the edit. We'll cut it out in the edit. Um, <laughs> we won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said. If anything, they're even on striking. I and you've just said we both agree it's probably the, you know not the case. And actually, Overeem's a better striker. And in, in, you know, if he takes him down, he's by far the better grappler. Well, like, I mean, him there and just he's a legend of K. He's a legend of K one. Legend yeah. of Pride. Like you just have to look at his record. Like his his body of work is so much better than Volkov's. Like as you say, I look. I, at, yeah, I don't see what what win of Volkov's the bookmakers are looking at and saying. Yeah, he's the favorite. Um, I mean, like you know, Greg they, Hardy. They both beat Walt Harris. I thought Overeem's win was kind of more impressive because he got hit and came back and won. Whereas Volkov, I'm not gonna say it was a lucky shot. It was a wonderful finish with the, you know, the toe to the liver. But um, you know, how often does a finish like that happen? So. Um, you know, they both did that to Walt Harris. They both finished Walt Harris. And then you look at Volkov's other recent wins. I mean, a decision win against Greg Hardy. Like, we just and saw... Course, I, thought he po- I mean, I, he played for the points and didn't do yeah, much exactly. else. Yeah, I, I, th- I actually thought, tried not to get knocked out. Yeah, I never thought I'd say this, but I thought Greg Hardy's stock rose because of that fight, bizarrely. Um, and then Greg Hardy reminded us in his last fight that he's a complete, <laughs> complete novice when it comes to certain aspects of the game. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, I, I don't see... How Volkov can possibly be the favorite? I well, don't get it. Having said it that, if Reem wins this fight, he's not making it to a title because he'll have one name in front of him or two names, three, names, three two or three. Well, names I know the one, I know the one you're thinking about. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> it's a certain uppercut comes to mind, <laughs> and as a as a Reem fan, I don't really appreciate bringing it up. I wasn't going to bring it up on this pod, but um, no, no, no I, I wasn't actually talking about Francis. I was talking, talking about, about Jones. Um, no, 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 no. no. Uh, I don't know about Stipe. Oh, no, Sir no, Why yeah. would he fight Sir Ogan? Because Sir Ogan's fight, fighting Rosenstruck, isn't he? Yeah, but if, if Reem wins this, he's won five of his last six. But he's also lost to Rosenstruck. Rosen yeah, but I like I said, everyone, like, yes, yes not, he lost. I'm that's not, not how I'm not the, the loss. <laughs> I'm not discounting the loss, but he dominated that fight. And, and other than that fight, that's the one loss in it would be six fights if he wins this. But just, and, just think know, about Sakai was a huge prospect. Harris was a huge prospect. Volkov also beat Harris, so this is like okay, I'm better than him if he wins this. 
And this is this is what I'll say he's above Cyril Gahn. If he wins this, it'll be on 48 wins. In my opinion, the best thing the UFC could do to market the perfect send-off for Overy, the best way they can make a shitload of money out of it, is it being for his 50th win. But so if he win if he wins this, he's on 48 wins. And then he needs one more win, in my opinion, to get the title shot. So can he wins you see, this. Can, can you see him beating either Stipe or Nganu in a title I mean, fight? He, no. <laughs> he, he he knocked Stipe over that one time when he was running away from him. <laughs> he, he ran away from him and then hit him with a nice little clean shot and knocked him over. Um, no, to be honest, I won't be betting on Reed probably if he gets the title shot, but, but that's I the reason really why I want it to happen. That's, I the really why I don't, that's the reason why I don't think he will. Because again, as I say, he's lost to Rose Detroit. I know people, he won 90% of the fight. He did, but he lost the fight. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's how, that's how the UFC works. Like, He's, he was lost to Stipe, Rosenstroik, and Garnu. Rosenstroik and Garnu fighting. For me, like, if he wants a title fight, he's going to have to get through Garn or Rosenstroik again. I think that, that, to be honest, that's kind of like the best case scenario for me. I think. If, to be fair, I think as much as I said, I, I would rather him just skip Garn and get straight to the title shot because I'm a Reem fan. Um, what a fight that would be. I mean, we've already we've already seen the Biggie Boy fight. Can what a fight Suragan and Reem would be. Yeah, it would just be a kickboxer's wet dream. Yeah. I'd, take the, I'd take the biggie boy rematch I think that'd be interesting because I wonder if I wonder if both have made the adjustments so actually I mean I guess that works with what I'm saying I, I want his 50th win to be for the title and then he yeah, retires yeah. 49 can be the winner of Garn and Rosenstroy this is so, basically yeah. a heavyweight tournament like so we've got Tom Aspinall coming up as well like <laughs> don't get the British bias coming in here again <laughs> um, and then after this, he fights the winner of Garn and Biggie Boy. He wins that, obviously. Are we talking and about then, Aspinall? Uh, and and uh... then fights his 50th for the title. Oh, we're talking about... I thought we were talking about Aspinall then. I was like, okay, steady no, on. No, I'm talking about Reem still. <laughs> yeah, I think that... Yeah. I mean, I think that's like... You can't deny him a title maybe, shot if he, win, if he wins this and then beats the winner of Rosenstrike and Gan. Even yeah, I can be, I can be, for... for me, that's what he's got to do. I think he's got yeah. to win this fight and then he's got to win the rematch of him and Rosenstrike or... Or, or because yeah. I think that makes more of a statement than beating Volkov. Like, and then he's kind of got to wait for that little trifecta of Jones and Ganu and Stipe to sort of sell. Hang on, where does Derek um, Lewis fit into all this as well? Oh, they're fighting. He's fighting Blades, and Blades obviously won't fight over him again because I mean he batted him, and then they became teammates. So, yeah, God, it's quite a conundrum, isn't it? The more Derek you think Lewis about Blades it. has real potential to be one of the one of the most boring fights of all time I'm just throwing it he has right potential to be one of the most boring fights of all time or one of the best knockouts of all time take <laughs> yeah, a pick <laughs> true true um, see this is what I mean though Heavy, I think heavyweights like I know people disagree I do think heavyweights stacked just because of the names like you still got Arlovsky bashing about um, Taito Avassa he's looked great recently the less that about Junior yeah, Santos the better uh, but you again, John jo- and where does John Jones fit into all this? I mean, imagine John Jones versus Overeem as like a title eliminator. Oh, the numbers that would do. Over Overeem wins. <laughs> <laughs> no, no bias in that pick whatsoever. Don't even bring that in here. There's no bias there whatsoever. Nothing to do with with me being a a huge Reem stan or anything. I mean, again, um, that's the thing. Like, people question Reem's chin, but. I don't know. It's kind of like, I mean, it, did, it did kind of show up a little bit in the Walt Harris fight. There was a moment where I was like, oh no, he's getting knocked out again. <laughs> yeah, but um, that's heavyweight. But, like, then, but then he came back. He, to be fair, I feel like they maybe could have stopped that when uh, when Harris knocked him down. But, you know, like the, the vet he is, he showed enough to the ref to keep, you know, keep himself alive and then got the comeback win. So 
Um, I just, I, he's got to beat Volkov for because for me, I, I don't think Volkov's a top ten fighter anyway. So I'm gonna say this: if he wins, I'm gonna eat my words. But um, yeah, we're gonna look like total idiots after Volkov wins comfortably. <laughs> Volkov masterclass, um, kickboxing after masterclass. After we've just been saying that he's not beat anyone that impressive and none of his wins are that good. Actually, just thinking about like fantasy fights. Imagine Izzy versus Reem. Just Izzy like, versus Reem? What? No, no, no. Hear me out. So this is right. Okay, this is off topic, guys. This isn't in the notes, but <laughs> this is what I think will happen. This, this is like this is what I think the UFC want to happen anyway. But this also makes sense in my mind. So Izzy's obviously fought uh, heavyweight, and I think he fought a super heavy in kickboxing. So he's he's already fought in different like weight class adjustments and all that kind of stuff. I think what they're gonna. I think what Izzy's gonna do is because it's all about the goat talk. It's all about the goat debate. You got Habib, you got GSP, you got Jones. Izzy kind of doesn't really fit into that equation yet because you've got the uh, guy's been there, done it, worn the t-shirt beforehand, and Anderson Silva, right? Fair to say. But now this is the big but. I think what's gonna happen is if Izzy beats Jan, which I think that's a fair argument to say that he might because of his kickboxing, and I mean we'll talk about this when we preview that fight, but. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot going into that fight which suggests that Izzy will be quite a sizable favourite. If he beats Jan, the sensible thing for him to do would be to go... I mean, well, it wouldn't be sensible, but the craziest thing for him to do would be to go one higher and go for a heavyweight title. Imagine being a three-weight division and basically like the, the hardest divisions in the UFC. Like middleweight is full of killers... Light heavyweight isn't necessarily the most stacked division, but anyone can turn your lights out. And the same says for heavyweight. Like, he would go down as one of the greats if he did that. And just think of the marketing. Like, can you imagine Izzy versus like a Reem or a Jones for the heavyweight title? That'd be, that'd be absolutely crazy. But obviously, it's like, it's, it's out of the realm of possibilities. But <laughs> you I, can, I, I can, you can see, see the look on my face. You can see me coming in to say, <laughs> yeah, what for, for, are the you view, for the view, for the listeners, uh, Ben's <laughs> got this look of incredulity on his face. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, yeah, okay. If we're talking pure fantasy, yes, Overeem and Adesanya would be an insane matchup. Um, but also, he's got legs, mate. Honestly, I think he's got legs. Is, I reckon if, is I reckon he, if, is he calls is out Yeah, scrawny. Like, obviously, he's fantastic. But he is not the build to be able to go up to it. Like, like I just can't ever see that happening. Um, I can't, I can't see it happening ever. <laughs> I just, I'm just gonna put a nail in that coffin right now. Um, before, before, <laughs> before that goes too crazy. Before you start picking him to fight, um, I don't know, Curtis Blades. <laughs> right, no. <laughs> I don't think I want to see that ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would like to see his well, room. <laughs> That would be a fun fight if uh, if we were living in fantasy land, Tom. You're right. <laughs> um, right, so we'll uh, I guess we'll wrap it up on that note. We've gone off the rails quite a bit there, as we like to do, especially without Ricky here to keep us on track. So um, we'll wrap it up, and um, we'll be back on Monday, I'm sure, after Volkov's presumably made us look like idiots, or Reem has proven us to be spot on. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.